Today we'll be in John chapter 15. So if you take your Bible and turn there, starting in John chapter 15, we'll start in verse 26 here in a moment. We'll go into the 16th chapter some as well. Uh, Not too long ago, I came across a an article, or heard about an article in the newspaper. They, the newspaper editorial was writing to their readership, and they wanted some back and forth, wanted some letters to the editor, and, and here was the, the thesis, here's what they were trying to say. Uh, they, they asked the question, what good is a sermon if you don't remember it? I, 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 it kind of hurts my feelings a little bit to assume that any of you would not remember the fine details of such fine quality preaching as comes from this pulpit. I can't imagine it until I ask myself, what did I preach three weeks ago? And not even I can answer what that is. But the question is, what good is preaching? What good are sermons if we don't remember them? And so they sent out and they got a bunch of replies. But, but what I want to show you from the text today is this. I want to show you why we need the ministry of God's Word in our life. While we need not just preaching, but we need Bible study and Bible teaching. We need personal biblical encouragement. I want to show you from this text why it's important. And it may not seem like this is what the text is talking about initially, and I want to kind of get there. So are you there with me? John chapter 15, if you made it there, say amen if you're there. Let's begin in verse 26 and 27, and, and then those two verses are going to set the scene for uh, what he's wanting to tell us in chapter 16. Here's what it says. When the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, namely the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. The counselor here is referring to the third member of the Trinity. The Trinity describes the different uh, aspects and personalities of God. You have God the Father, uh, you have God the Son, who is Jesus, and then God the Holy Spirit. Here is the the counselor. Uh, He's given the title counselor here. Your Bible may have a different word there. Uh, It's because it's somewhat hard to translate. Uh, The word there is a paraclete. Uh, those, that word is a compound word that means to come alongside. It's someone that comes alongside someone else. It was used as an encourager or as a comforter. Maybe in a time of mourning, someone comes alongside you to comfort you and encourage you. But its technical usage was in the courtroom, and it was referring to an advisor or to a, a, an advocate, a lawyer, who would come alongside and would help you make decisions and help you walk through whatever it is you were walking through. And so that's the usage here, that the Holy Spirit was someone that was sent from the Father by the Son to come alongside us and to, to live life with us. But in this text... He's focusing specifically on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And he says there that he will testify about me. Again, we are using a court scene word, testify. Uh, it's uh, The root word is what we get our word martyr from. A martyr is someone who is killed or persecuted for their faith. And the reason that they were persecuted was for their testimony, for their witness about Jesus. Uh, this word testimony, this testify, is a witness that is put on the, they're on the, the seat and they're asked questions. And a witness is asked to share 
consider what they know objectively, what they know is the truth, but also what they know subjectively, what they have experienced. And so here is the Holy Spirit. He is sent to indwell believers, and His purpose is to testify about Jesus. Now, one question you want to ask is, how does the Spirit testify about Jesus? How does that work? Uh, Does He testify by giving you indigestion, right? I want to know about Jesus. All right, stomach is rumbling, right? Uh, Does He testify about just an inner feeling? Maybe there's a still small voice that He uses. Maybe, Maybe He draws it in the clouds, or He makes stars pop out at you so that you can uh, hear the testimony about Jesus. No, that's not how he does it. Look at the next verse, verse 27. You also will testify because you've been with me from the beginning. Now, here is how the Holy Spirit of God gives his witness. He gives his witness through the witness of his people. He gives his witness about Jesus through your witness. Church, how do we have anything to witness to apart from our experience with the Holy Spirit? How would you, what would you have to say if it wasn't already given to you by the Holy Spirit of God? And how is it that we receive the testimony from the Holy Spirit of God? Well, only if we had a place where God spoke himself and gave us his testimony. If we had somebody that wrote that down, maybe the Holy Spirit was carrying men along to write down the words that the Holy Spirit wanted them to say. If only we had the testimony of the Spirit of God that we could read and we could know and not be confused about. We have it. This is the testimony of the Holy Spirit of God. And when he testifies to other, others, he does so through the testimony of his followers. And the testimony of his followers is when we share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. The Spirit of God testifies to us through the taught and the preached and the encouraged and the shared word of God. This might happen in a one-on-one situation where someone is sharing the God's Word with someone else in a personal one-on-one situation. It may happen in a small group where maybe there is a teacher and there's dialogue that's taking place. It may happen in a large group where one man gets up there and stomps and spits and hollers a little bit. Like it's about to happen to you, all right? But whenever God's word is being shared, what I am doing right now is not sharing with you the testimony about James Pritchard. What I'm sharing with you is my testimony about Jesus Christ and that from the Holy Spirit of God through me. And so what we're talking about here when we're talking about the Spirit testifying and y'all testifying, we are talking about the ministry of the preached and taught word of God. So why is the sermon any good? Well, he's now going to turn and show the implications of what happens when we receive the testimony of the Holy Spirit through the preached Word of God. Look there in verse 16. The first thing is this. It emboldens the Christian's walk. It emboldens the Christian's walk. In verse 1, he says, I have told you these things to keep you from stumbling. 
They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering service to God. And the word there is worship. They, they view that as an act of worship to God to kill Christians. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. But I have told you these things so that when their time comes, you will remember I told them to you. Uh, you, you see that he's referring to persecution here. Uh, that because you named the name of Jesus, because you're testifying about Christ, that others are not going to like that. Uh, they will cast you out of your social circles. Uh, they will even kill you, the Bible says. And they think that they're doing this for righteous reasons and righteous purposes. And he says, in the context of that persecution, I've told you these things back in verse 1 to keep you from stumbling. The word stumble there is the word scandalizo. We get our word scandal from this word. It is the idea that we are, we, stumble's a great word for that, but it's the idea that we are on a path and then all of a sudden we get off of that path for some reason. It is used in the New Testament to refer to temptation. You've heard of maybe a stumbling block. Have you heard that? Don't be a stumbling block for somebody else. That is when you are tempting them and encouraging them to sin. And when someone is walking along the narrow path and they choose to sin, they have stumbled, they have become scandalized. Sometimes it's through distraction. Many times we as followers of Christ will be walking away with him and then we will get distracted by some other thing of this world. It doesn't have to be something that's bad. It could be something that is good. But when we take our eyes off of Jesus and we stop following him, we become scandalized. But in this text, he's referring to persecution. Why does persecution exist? Because someone does not like what you're saying and they want you to be quiet. And so they're going to apply pressure to you. And as they are applying that pressure, they want you to give it up. They want you to become scandalized. But he is saying, I am saying these things to you. I am giving you the, the work of the Spirit so that you don't become scandalized. Have you ever seen one of those old-timey diving suits? And they, they've got all this gear on them, and they've got the big face plate, you know what I'm talking about? And they've got the big hose going to them, and it's so that they can dive down in the depths. Do you know why they have all that suit on? It's not because it's fashionable, okay? Uh, they didn't have that in a, in a magazine to say, hey, this will make, make you look better. That's not how that works. There's a practical reason for it. The further you go down in the water, the more pressure from the water is applied to your body. And your body cannot handle that pressure by itself, and so you need to be in a suit. And what that suit does is it, regardless of the pressure outside, it maintains the pressure that you have out of the water. It maintains that around your body so that your body can survive it. Going down to those deeps where all of that pressure is without having a suit on, it will kill. It will literally kill you if you try to do that. That's why if a suit pops, they're, they're gone because of that pressure. Listen to me. The deeper you try to go with Jesus, the greater the pressure of this world will be. And the greater it gets, the more help you need. And so when we are under the teaching and the preaching of God's Word, it is as if we put on a, a suit that allows us to, to live in the pressure of a world that doesn't like us. The deeper you go, the heavier the pressure is, and that is why so many Christians are doggy paddling at the surface. Because they're afraid of the pressure and the depths. 
But if you are embracing the word of God, if you are under the word of God, if you are living within the context of the testimony of the Holy Spirit of God, you do not have to worry about the pressure of the world around you because you have given a suit and he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. And so that's reason number one, it emboldens our walk. Number two, it encourages the Christian's worries. It encourages the Christian's worries. Look look there in verse 4 again, second part. I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. There was no reason for me to give you this information because in the beginning I was there with you. You did not need these words at that time. But I gave them to you because in verse 5, now I am going away to him who sent me. I'm going to the Father not one of you asked me, where are you going? They had asked previously, but this is a different setting. They're not asking now. Verse 6, yet because I have spoken these things to you that I am leaving, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. There is a natural discouragement and anxiety when we feel alone. When we feel like there's no one else there, especially when we feel like there's no one else that can help us, right? Uh, our dad is gone, our mom is gone, our spouse is gone, our, 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 our rock is gone, and we don't have someone to come in and save the day. There's definitely anxiety there. But I would argue, even when you're by yourself, even if you are the one that has to be the rock, you have more courage when somebody else is with you than when you're by yourself. And so in this case, they're they're by themselves because Jesus has left, and they're worried about that, and they're concerned about that, and and anxiety begins to build in their life. We had, uh, over the weekend, we went, took some boys and and some dads, and we went went out in the country, and uh, the dads were sitting up around the fire, and the boys wanted to go explore at nighttime. Hey, man, what boy doesn't want to explore at nighttime? Isn't that great? They took a flashlight with them, and off they went. And we could see the flashlight but it was way out yonder, and we could hear them for sure, and so could every animal in a 10-mile radius. And, I mean, they, we had, there was no danger because all the animals were gone. Well, I just put it that way. Uh, and so the boys came back. It's pitch black dark out there. One of them had taken a bottle of water with them and came back without a bottle of water, which meant that they had left it out in the abyss somewhere. They came back, and I said, son, where's your bottle of water? I I left it out there somewhere. I said, okay, you go get it right now. It's dark out there. I ain't going out there. Who will go with me? Nobody wanted to go. Guess what? We did not get that bottle of water that night. It did not happen because of the fear of being alone. So many times we feel like we are alone and we have this pressure on us and this anxiety and this worry because spiritually we feel like we are alone. And when we get under the teaching of God's word, we are reminded of truths like, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We are reminded of truths like, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. We are reminded of truths that regardless of where you go, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not worry, is what that means. 
And so when we are under his word, we realize we're not alone, that he is with us. He says, if I go, the Holy shall send the comforter to you. Uh, Jesus was just one man. He couldn't be with everybody all the time as long as he was on the planet. But when he left, he says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And how is it that Jesus himself can be with all of us? Through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. So we don't have to worry because he's right there with us. Number next, what are we on? Number three? Good. Number three. Three of 15. Here we go. As a joke. It wasn't funny. That's right. Y'all want 15. Okay, I can make some up. All right, number three. It empowers the Christian's witness. It empowers the Christian's witness. Look, second part of verse seven. It says, if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment, about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me, and about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Notice he says in verse 7, if I go, I will send him to whom? What does your Bible say? I will send him to whom? To you. The you is us. Okay? He will send the Holy Spirit to his followers, to his believers. But then it says, I will convict whom? Look in your Bible. You have your Bibles open still? Y'all still awake? Yes? Maybe no. Maybe this isn't why y'all are remembering the sermons. Y'all fall asleep. What does it say? I will convict whom? The world. Now, wait a minute. Follow what I'm saying. He sent the Holy Spirit to us, Yet the end result is that he's going to convict the world. Now, how is he going to bring conviction to the world if he sent the Holy Spirit to us? Because the way the world gets the conviction of the Holy Spirit is as his followers are being faithful to share what they have with the world. You see that? The conviction of the Holy Spirit is connected to our witness and to our sharing of the gospel, to our outreach, and to our message. That is how the world is convicted. Now notice how the world is convicted. It says that the world is convicted about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Why does it need to be convicted about sin? Well, it's because they have rejected Jesus Christ. You say, well, there are some people in the world who have never heard the name of Jesus. You're right. They've never heard the name of Jesus. But write these passages down. uh, Psalm 19 and then Romans chapter 1. And you can read in those two passages where an argument is made very clearly that no one has the excuse of not hearing the name of Jesus because God has revealed himself through creation. There is enough in creation to pique the interest of someone who will say, I want to know more about this. And when they reject the creator, they are rejecting Jesus. And so no one can say that. But what he does is they've, they've rejected him. They know they do wrong, but they've got to be convicted of the fact that there's sin in their life. They're also convicted about righteousness. Why are they convicted about righteousness? It says here they're convicted about righteousness because I'm not with you. When Jesus was on planet earth, we did not have to ask the question, what is the standard of righteousness? If Jesus were sitting in this room and I was preaching and I would say, do you want to know what the standard of righteousness is? It is that guy sitting right there, right? 
It is Jesus. He is the standard. But because Jesus isn't walking with us anymore, we've got to communicate that, and we communicate, and the Holy Spirit brings conviction about that standard of righteousness. So what he does is, through our sharing of the gospel, he will convince someone that they are a sinner, and he will convince them that there's a standard of righteousness, and his name is Jesus. And when we compare our sin to the standard of righteousness, we find that we are wanting, that we miss the boat, that we fall short, and then he brings conviction about judgment. The Bible says, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. Now, who is it that convinces these people that they're doing wrong? Help me out. Who is it that convicts the world that they are sinning? The Holy Spirit. Who convicts them and convinces them that Jesus is the righteous standard? The Holy Spirit. Who convinces them and convicts them about their judgment and their danger and their need for Jesus? The Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit limits His work to the faithful testimony of His people. You say, how's that? Romans ten thirteen through 15. You ready? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved... How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. What he's saying here is, anyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. But they're not going to call on somebody they don't believe in. And they're not going to believe in somebody they hadn't been told about. And nobody's going to talk about them unless there's somebody to tell. And there's not going to be anybody to tell unless they've been sent to do so. You hear the word preach in there? Don't think of me as a preacher. I'm the only one doing that. It's referring to every born-again believer because it said, you will testify, and the you there is y'all. Everybody has this responsibility. But here's the deal. People will not be saved without the actions of a born-again believer sharing the gospel with them. You say, well, what about the, the guy that's you know, in the hotel room and he gets the, the Gideon Bible that's been put there and he reads that Bible and he gives his life to Christ right then and there. It's not a, not a legit salvation. It absolutely is a legit salvation. Well, there was nobody telling him about the gospel. Yes, there was a human element involved in that. Well, how is that? There was a Gideon that put the Bible in that drawer. Somebody got the gospel to that individual. There's always a human element. You say, well, we hear about Jesus showing up in dreams all the time. Missionaries will talk about Jesus showing up in dreams, primarily like in the Muslim world. They'll have a dream about Jesus, and, and they'll get saved. But, but here's what you always find 100% of the time. 100% of the time, there has been somebody who has either shared the gospel truth with that person, or they have a vision, they have a dream, and they find somebody, and then they tell them, and then they give their life to Christ. There is always a human element in sharing the gospel. You say, why are you saying all this? Well, look, he empowers it. We do not have to, to depend on our ability to, for someone to be saved. We just depend on our availability for someone to be saved. I cannot make you respond to the invitation today. I can't do it. All I can do is tell you what the Bible says 
And let the Holy Spirit of God bring conviction into your heart. That's all I can do. I can't make you give your life to Christ. I can't force you to do that. The Holy Spirit of God will speak. And you have to respond. But I do know this. The Bible says that when His Word goes forth, it does not come back void. And whenever I do preach God's Word, whenever I do teach a Sunday school class, whenever I do share the gospel with somebody on a personal level, I know that God's Spirit is at work and He's doing His work in the life of that person and it will not come back void. I have confidence in my witness. Let me give you number four. Number four. The Holy Spirit escorts the Christian's way. Escorts the Christian's way. Look at what it says there. Verse 12. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them right now. In in other words, uh, I have already fried your brain. I have gone past my time limit, and you cannot handle any more information. In other words, while you did wear your stretchy pants to thank Miss Tonight, you have eaten way too much food, and there's no more food that you can eat, right? That's what he's saying. There is still more to come that I cannot give you right now. And in verse 13, here's how you're going to get it. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own, but all the things that I was going to tell you and I couldn't tell you, He will speak whatever He hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. As a result of that, He will glorify me because He will take from what is mine and declare it to you. And everything the Father has is mine. That is why I told you he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. As the Holy Spirit of God is taking the message from Jesus and giving him this message, it results in two things. First of all, it results in guiding you in your life, helping you know where to go and what to do. And secondly, it results in glorifying God the Father. I have found that in this area, Lafayette, South Louisiana, Uh, It is better for someone to show you the way than to tell you the way. Is that accurate? It, it, It is better for someone to say, hey, tell you what, let me bring you there, than it is, hey, turn left here, do this, that. It, It just is. The Holy Spirit does not tell you where to go. The Holy Spirit escorts you where you need to go. And guys, I'll be honest with you, left to myself, I'm kind of a knucklehead. Where you at, Mama? Where you at, Kim? Here's your chance. She's got a sore throat today. I knew that when I said that. Y'all wouldn't be able to hear her, but she said it. Left to myself, I'm a knucklehead, and frankly, all of us are. We're all sinners. We look at a situation, and we see it from a certain way, and odds are, left by ourselves, we're going to mess that situation up. But what is great about God and is great about the Holy Spirit is he doesn't just say, hey, go on down that way, James, but he walks it with me. And when I'm about to step off in a pothole, he grabs me and says, no, don't do that. That's not good. And I'm about to step off the side of the road. No, don't do that. That's not good. Let's stay right here. And the Holy Spirit of God is guiding me all the way through my life. He is guiding me exactly where he wants me to go. And he does that through the witnessing ministry of the Holy Spirit, through the witnessing ministry of the church. He's guiding us. He's escorting us through life. Now, I'm sure there are more reasons he dealt with those four. People sent in letters to that editor making arguments about the validity and the, and the benefit of sermons. 
the one that ended the debate, came in a few weeks after it was initiated. Somebody wrote a letter to the editor, and in that letter they said, I do not remember what I ate on the third Tuesday of last October for lunch or for dinner. I don't remember it, but I do know that I would not be here today if it wasn't for that. Now, we don't necessarily remember every little sermon that was preached and everything that we were taught and everything that we learned. We don't remember all the points and illustrations and all those things. But here's what I do know. You would not be where you are today if it weren't for the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the preached Word of God all throughout your life. And all the accumulation of all the teaching and all the preaching and all the encouragement, it has gotten you to where you are today. I know something else. Regardless of what you had for lunch or for breakfast or for whatever, it's not going to benefit you if all you do is chew on it and then spit it out. If you don't swallow the food, if you don't digest the food, it is not going to benefit you. If you do not digest the word of God that is proclaimed to you, And the testimony that the Holy Spirit gives to you, it will do nothing for you. All you have done is bided your time from 11 to 12 something on Sunday morning. That's all you've done. If you don't receive the word that is given to you. If I'm hearing this word, there are some very specific things that I would hear him say. I would hear him say... James, if God's Word and the ministry of the Holy Spirit is that important to a believer, you need to make that a priority in your life. There is nothing else that's going to do these things in your life. You need to make the ministry of the Holy Spirit found in the preaching of God's Word in the context of the church body, you need to make that a priority. You don't need to miss that when it's happening. I would hear God speaking to me that way. James, you need to plug into a Sunday school class so that you can have this encouragement week in and week out. James, you need to have personal time of reading your Bible and and letting the Spirit of God speak to you personally through His Word. That's what I would hear as I'm hearing this message. The Holy Spirit of God would be saying that to me, and I would argue the Holy Spirit of God is saying that to each and every one of us in the room. If it's that important, we need to elevate our commitment. And not only do we elevate our commitment to it, but we need to be sensitive to it and say yes whenever the Holy Spirit of God speaks to us. But there's a more specific way that he's speaking to many today. I hadn't talked about a whole bunch of different sins. But even in the midst of the preaching of God's word about this particular topic, the Holy Spirit of God has been pointing out something in your life. That literally has nothing to do with the content of the message today. That's the power of the Spirit of God pointing that in your life. He's speaking to you on that. He is calling you to to some type of commitment. I don't know what that is. Maybe you've given your life to Christ, but you've never gone public with that with baptism. He may be calling on you to do that. It may be it's time for you to join our church. He's calling you to do that. It may be that you need to give something up that's a distraction. It's not bad, but it's a distraction in your life. He may be calling you to do that. He may have touched your heart on that. And if we refuse to respond with obedience to the Spirit of God's moving, then all of the benefits of this sermon will go away and be for naught. 
in essence, this becomes a waste of time in your life. And so, regardless of where we preach or where we are, we always want to give people a chance to respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying in their life. I want to give you that chance now. Would you bow your heads and hearts for me? This is an important time, so this is not a go-to-the-bathroom time. This is not a zip-up-your-Bible time. This is not pack-your-bags time. This is an important time where people are dealing with stuff. And right where you sit, in the quietness of your heart, and the privacy of your heart between yours and God, I'm going to ask you just to, to thank Him for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank Him for the, the witnessing ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. What a gift that is. Now spend a moment confessing if there's anything in your life where you've not been obedient to Him as He's revealed it to you. Lay that before Him and confess that right now. Say, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I've not, I've not been obedient to You. I've not responded. Maybe Maybe the ministry of the Word, the ministry of the Testament of the Spirit has not been important to you. You've not prioritized that. You've let other things get in the way. Confess that as well. Say, Father, forgive me of that. Now take a moment, privacy and quietness of your heart. Say, Lord, I commit today to making it a priority and to respond to your Spirit. Will you help me? Make it a priority. Father, we do thank you so much for your spirit. We thank you for the witnessing testimony that he has through your word. We pray, Lord, that we would be a people that were very quick to respond, very sensitive to your spirit. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd be honored with us as we respond to you. We pray this in Jesus' name.